Hi there. I'm Eric Wordweaver Shervin, Gothi of the Ridgar Folk here in East Texas, and I'd like to welcome you to The Raven's Call. This is a show where I ramble on about different heathen-related subjects, just kind of whatever strikes my fancy, sets my mind on fire at the time. Uh, big UPG warning at the beginning of all these episodes, like always. Uh, I am a middle-of-the-road heathen. I am not a hardcore reconstructionist. I am not a fluffy bunny neo-pagan. Um, those in the know will know what I mean by that. Uh, if not, don't worry about it. Just know that I'm not a lore thumper, and I'm not a crystal waver. Um, no disrespect to individuals that do crystal work. It's an old, old adage for new wave, new age kind of... Uh, those that are founded in in feel goods and not necessarily in any kind of hard spirituality, magic work, stuff like that. Anyway, I digress. Not the point. Onwards and upwards. You guys know all the contact information down below. The more you interact with the videos, the more that you will see these in the feed, and the more they'll get out there to other people. So if you enjoy what you see, please be my guest. Let me know down below. Uh, if there's any other additional kinds of content you guys would like to see on the channel, uh, anything from, you know, AMA type stuff, like I did an AMA with Jesse over at Midgard's Musings not too long ago. Well, I guess it's longer ago than I thought. <laughs> it's been a little bit, but anyway, we did. We've done some collaborative work, stuff like that. Or if you guys want to see um, me do a live kind of thing, um, and I talk about it in the, the post credits and the, the cutting room floor, but I don't do YouTube live. I might be willing to do a Facebook Live kind of thing, but I don't do YouTube Live for vigorous reasons. So, um, Interact, shoot me emails, shoot me comments. Requests are always welcome because I turn them into shows. So please, be my guest. Send me whatever kind of requests come across your mind. Uh, I would love to explore and see what I can do with them. Uh, timing's kind of crazy right now, so I don't have a whole lot of time for research, but I'm always learning and I'm always looking to learn. That's the thing. I never stop being a student, and you never quite become a master, and you will always be growing and always developing. So, on to today's subject, I think. Now, today's subject, we're going to get away from the viewers' requests for uh, this particular episode because this is one that has been on my list forever. You know, as you guys have watched the channel, you know that I keep a running tally of uh, show ideas, things that I want to talk about at some point in time. Uh, I just keep a checklist up in my phone, and then every time I have an idea for a show or somebody makes a request, I'm like, oh yeah, that would be a good episode. Uh, I throw it on this list. And I've written about this subject before. I have talked about this subject with individuals ad nauseum, and I've kind of rolled it into some of the other subjects in the uh, in the other episodes, but I haven't done a specific episode about this particular subject, and uh, I almost couldn't believe that I hadn't done an episode about this. I, I had to go back and prove to myself that I hadn't. So I, I spent the morning going through my list on uh, the, the feed to try and make sure that I had indeed not done an episode uh, on words as deeds, and apparently I have not. So, we're going to talk a little bit about the concept of words as deeds. Because in heathenry, one of the main adages that you hear talked about a lot, and I use it a lot, we are our deeds. Uh, the concept is that, you know, you can talk a good game all you want, but if you don't have actions to back them up, then they're just words, and they're meaningless. Um, and that's not entirely the fullness of the concept. It's a generality, and it's good in practice in order to push the idea that uh, action is better than inaction. Um, 
which if you've read uh, We Are Our Deeds by Eric Wodening, you will kind of get where I'm going at on that aspect as far as what is what was favored by archheathens based on linguistic patterns and whatnot. Um, action was viewed as being better than inaction. Uh, the idea that you would do something as opposed to doing nothing, even if it's the wrong decision, it was still better to have tried and failed than to have not tried at all. Uh, that kind of thing. So, when you're going with that kind of a mentality, uh, yes, the whole uh, we are our deeds, not our words, is a, a good kind of adage to go by. However, however, it glosses over the fact that words themselves are deeds. And the reason that, that the reason that we go ahead and let that kind of adage fly is because words carry much less weight than you know physical actions. You know, you can talking about hurting somebody and actually hurting somebody are two different things. Uh, intent doesn't really carry a whole lot versus actual action. And so, deeds are what are measured. Deeds are what we put into the well. They are our story. And if we've finally gotten far enough into the system of the shows here that I can go into some of the deeper aspects of this and uh, you guys will understand it. When we talk about, like with the Norns, when we talk about Urt, Verbande, and Skuld, when you're talking about Urt, Urt is all of those things, her domain is those things that have come to be, those things that are, those things that have been made reality. You're talking about Verbande, you are talking about those things that are actively becoming, the now, those things that are in action in this moment, that point of weird. Uh, this is where weird exists. And then it passes into Orlog and goes into the well, and it is immutable at that point. It has happened. While it is happening, this is the realm of Vertandi, and we've talked about all this before, but it lays the context. School, of course, is the ephemeral possibility of what could be. It's the potential energy versus the kinetic energy of the now. You know, we can take all of that potential energy that's built up in Schuld, and when we actually take action and make it real, then it becomes kinetic energy and is put into motion. Uh, and then, of course, it is recorded into history and through the Orlog, through the well. And uh, this is one of those areas where you can look at words, look at uh, vocalizations, look at intentions. Intentions are the realm of Schuld. They are ephemeral. They are immaterial. You can have great intentions, but never follow through. You can have great intentions and fail miserably at them. Um, you can lie through your teeth, and it sounds fantastic, but in the end, you do not make good on what you said, so it is not the, the action that gets recorded. But the problem with this view of, you know, completely eschewing words uh, as, and not viewing them as a deed is the fact that words do have a palpable impact. Words do make a difference. And it's it's difficult to explain exactly how and exactly why sometimes, but um, the idea here is that words once spoken are a willful act. You actually go through a physical action to transfer thoughts into words. There is a physical action that requires willpower and focused thought. So at that point in time, it is a deed, the same as hitting someone, the same as tilling a field. It is thought 
that is actualized in action. Words are very much the same thing. And coming from the word weaver, that should mean something to you. So, I get it. I get it. I get it. The words are, as any practitioner of magic will tell you, words carry weight. Words carry power. When you deal with uh, name magic, old magic, uh, the, the knowing of something's true name, uh, the power that comes from that, that you can have over another individual, um, it's, it's immense. It's palpable. Uh, to know something. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is, of course, uh, portrayed through word or through spoken language. The exact language doesn't matter, but it is still the verbalization or the translation of thought and intention into willful action. Because it's not just speaking words, it's writing words, too. Uh, writing words definitely has an impact the same as speaking words. Although you can put different inflection and sound of voice and paraverbals, nonverbals that go along with the spoken word, that can sometimes carry more weight. But it's also kind of flash in the pan uh, versus a written statement that is perpetuated through time and survives. Take, for instance, the Havamal. Uh, take you know any of the uh, the Eddas and uh, Heimskringla, things like that. Uh, you very much can have a lasting impact. Look at any number of political statements that have been made throughout the years. Look at the Declaration of Independence. Uh, look at the Constitution of the United States of America. Look for you know any number of things. You will see a perpetuation of this this idea that had been put into action. It was actively written down through willful intent made into action. This carries weight. This carries a sizable weight. Any author that writes, you know, your action of creating something from the ephemeral and giving it form, giving it life, and then throwing it out there for people to see, for people to witness, and to take part in, to... to look over and to be able to enjoy and be a piece of that for times to come, uh, that, that's a very strong action and it is a very willful action because it takes time, it takes energy, it takes thought. Um, frequently words can be flippant, uh, they can be weak, uh, they can be unintended, they can be misinterpreted it's because it's easy. It's easy to say something without necessarily weighing the fullness of the effect and the weight of the words. Writing, you have a moment to pause before this is put out there to the outside world. Now, this doesn't necessarily include things like texting, uh, where the, the send is fairly instantaneous. I mean, you will sometimes hem and haw and delete and change. Uh, so there is a slight delay there. There's a slight buffer, uh, but there, there's no buffer on the spoken word. It's just out there. Once it's done, it's done. You don't get to hit delete. So <clears throat> do words actually classify as deeds? Yes, uh, they, they classify as deeds because they are intended, thought, put into actualized action. So it is transferred into deed. Take, for instance, again, the Declaration of Independence. When put into words, this intention by the colonists to tell England to bugger off, uh, we're on our own now, uh, that was very, very powerful. That was very, very meaningful and echoes through history as a major act. And this definitely had repercussions for everyone who signed their name to that document. Um, words have extreme power. If, uh, if you don't believe me, step out there 
and you know just say the first random insult that comes to mind to a random passerby it will have an impact now whether or not it's uh, whether or not they just write it off or if they allow it to affect them is up to them uh, but it doesn't make you any less of an asshole for having done so uh, it, it really words can have an immediate action an immediate effect a palpable effect um, it's a thing you know it is absolutely a thing and once that arrow is let loose it can't be taken back it is a deed it is made manifest through willful action um, like I said it's easy to speak words so frequently we do not take the time to buffer them but you do still actually have a buffer it's up here if you slow down to think and you don't just spout off without thinking then you can you can mitigate some of that impact. You don't have to say the thing that carries, you know, that that, that, that insult. It doesn't have to be, um, you know, a, a, a an unintended slight. Unintended slights carry less impact, but they're still impactful. Uh, the really, really damaging things are words that are intended to be malignant in nature. Uh, that are intended to be deceptive in nature. If you think about someone who lies to you and the impact of someone who tells a lie uh, versus someone you know to be truthful, that is a very clear example of words being deeds themselves. Because if you are a liar, if you lie to someone, then they know you to be a liar. They know that you cannot be trusted at that point. And that carries a great deal of weight. So, and I keep saying that because um, the the whole aspect of making something real is that it, uh, it like matter, like it has mass and it takes up space. Um, it, it creates a weight. Weight is the impact of gravity upon mass. And so that is the thing made manifest and then the effect of social forces on that thing that has been made manifest. So the gravity is the social interaction and the mass is the words that had been put into place. And therefore, because of that gravitational pull between the two of us, uh, you now have weight to that thing that's made manifest. Uh, intentions don't necessarily have any weight to them because they're not made manifest. They're not made real. They're not brought out into the material world. You are actively vibrating your vocal cords, moving your mouth and tongue, and making speech or you are moving your muscles and your hands uh, with a tool to scribe those words into creation. That is an act, that is a willful act of transferring thought and intention into physicality, making it real, passing it from schooled to Ferdandi and into Urz well. Okay? So, how does, this manif how does this affect heathens today? How do we work with the concept that words are deeds? Well, we have to weigh what we say. We have to think about it before we just jump off and spout out the most random thing that comes to mind, or if we write things off. One of the things that I see a lot is I see a lot of people from the you know heathen community that uh, take the Inengar thing to a little bit of an extreme, to the point of, I don't care about anyone who's not in my Inengar. If you're not in my Inengar, I don't care. And that's, that's fine, if that's really how you feel. Um, however, uh, the gist is that Inengar comes first, and then your community comes a little bit further on down the line. And so, 
it's not that they don't matter because they're not in your Ingart. Uh, it's just that they matter less than the Ingart. And that's the way that it should be because you need to take care of yours first. Uh, that's your primary responsibility and obligation. Uh, you do not hold the same obligations to those in the community that you do to those individuals closest to you. And so I will see people be outright mean to people that are not in their Inengart. Um, the whole idea is they're not tribe to me, uh, so what do I care what they think? Well, the problem is that your deeds impact your gefrain, and your gefrain is reflected in the gefrain of your entire tribe, or your hearth, however you are organized. Uh, if you have an organization, or if you're just your own hearth home, uh, your, your words in the outer world reflect upon that central unit. So, for instance, if I went off and I was just rude and mean to everybody that I met and said just horrible things, then people would look at my tribe and see me as a representative of that, and I would be damaging the gefrain of the tribe itself. I have to mind my words when I'm in public because I don't want to damage the gefrain of my tribe. I don't want to damage our social standing within community that does matter because they are our surrounding community and community that we continue to deal with and continue to have interactions with. Uh, I want that to continue. I want that to be a thing. And in order to do that, I need to protect those relationships, which doesn't just mean uh, the typical like deeds like you would think of. It also includes the words and what we say and how we interact. All of that is deed. And so when I say we owe our deeds, I mean words too. If you are a, an individual with your hearth, then you know, if you're rude or mean to everybody that's outside of your Enidgarth, uh, it's going to have a negative effect on your hearth's ability to interact with society as a whole. And you kind of need to be able to interact with society as a whole if you intend to continue to survive in this world. Uh, I mean, if you are completely self-sufficient, off the grid, not dependent on anybody else, and can defend your property, okay, you pretty much don't have to worry about where you stand with the local community, to a certain extent. Uh, hostility will mean you will have to defend that property and the, those people on there, and that comes with risk that's not necessary, you know? Um, chances are really good this random Joe that I meet on the side of the road is not going to have any real impact on my gefrain or my interaction with my people or my people's interactions with others. Um, chances are really good he's not even going to know that I'm heathen. But, mm, there's still a possibility. There's still a possibility that some heathen out there is watching me interact with these people, is witnessing this, and is recording that in their head. Um, it's a thing. It's a thing. Um, the impact of what we say is still a what we do because the saying is a doing. So think about these things as you go through and you're thinking about the uh, gefrain that you're building for yourself, for your hearth, for your tribe. Um, think about these actions, okay? Think about the fact that uh, when you are dealing with others, they cannot perceive your intentions. They do not know necessarily what you mean. They can deduce your intentions, but they cannot truly know it. Even if you tell them your intentions, they don't truly know your motivations. They can think they do, uh, but chances are really good that when it comes time to put our intentions into words and actualize that, 
uh, most people are not completely even capable of fully translating their intention into action because intention is a complex thing. And so your intentions don't translate just because they're there. You have to translate them into words. You have to translate them into actions, you know? So where do we see this the most in modern day where we write off words and favor action over words without considering words themselves or at least devaluing words to a point that it makes the action futile and uh, superfluous that would be the apology uh, we see frequently that people say well sorry doesn't make it better you know sorry doesn't fix anything saying i'm sorry doesn't change anything well, the fact of the matter is saying you're sorry does change something. It does have an effect. It is a real action indeed. It is an admission of culpability. It is a sharing of an emotional state. It is a vulnerability for the individual taking the mea culpa. And it initiates a cycle of repercussion. It is an acknowledgement of the deed and an expression of the intention to make the thing right. Keep in mind, though, that it has to be accompanied with some kind of actual repercussion uh, or reparation in order to make things right. Um, just simply saying you're sorry and then going on and not changing anything uh, and, and not matching intention to word, you know, the rest of your deeds outweigh those words. You know, if you say, I'm sorry, I won't do it again, and then you continue to do it again, well, those deeds carry more weight because they're more physical deeds, you know. Uh, they, they have a stronger weight in the whole spectrum of social interaction. So, saying you're going to do something and then just blowing it off and not doing it, uh, what you're actually doing is lying at that point, and then that's the deed that becomes reality. That's what you've made manifest. You've made yourself a liar in that moment. And so, the apology does carry weight. It is a thing but it's the initiation of a cycle, and it is not its own end. Um, it's more the initiation, it's the start of something, the start of reparations. But I do feel like it is important because it makes the intent and thought process about this, uh, this, this whole thought process the individual is going through where they're accepting responsibility for their actions. Um, it is a verbalization that puts that into reality. It makes it real. You know, to think that you're going to apologize to somebody to say, well, you know, I always meant to apologize to them for that. But you haven't actually apologized to them. You haven't done anything to make it right. You may make reparations, but they may not recognize that you've made reparations because you never acknowledged your role with the whole ill-doing in the first place. You may have rocked along and realized that, you know, you did this person wrong, uh, intentionally or not, but because, you know apologies are meaningless, you write it off and don't actually go and do anything, then, you know, eh. or you just don't apologize and then you do something. This is where I was really getting at. If you, if you apologize and then you do something, but they don't know that you have even accepted responsibility for your action, then your reparation may go unnoticed. They may not translate that, or it may not be enough. Adding the weight of the apology helps to start to balance the scales, but it does not balance it by itself. It is an action, but it is not as palpable as an action as is necessary, depending on the situation. 
Um, there are some minor, minor things where the act of contrition of, you know, saying, I'm sorry, and it, accepting fault, and then, you know, trying not to do it again, uh, is significant enough to, to let balance the scales. Uh, but there are some things that an apology is just not good enough for. And then there are some things where the betrayal is so hard and so far that an apology is meaningless just simply because the weight is too much and that is a drop in the bucket compared to the ocean that's needed to put out this particular fire. So, um, all of this is roundabout to say that words as deeds carry weight, have meaning. Take, for example, ritual. When we sit down and we do ritual, when we enact our rituals, our, our bloats, what we say matters, how we say it matters. And that is why a lot of hardcore reconstructionists are very, very particular about their formula for ritual. Um, a lot of the you know, neo-pagan fluffy bunnies are equally as hardcore about their ritual uh, and, and the scripting for it, but usually for different reasons. What we say matters. And as long as you understand the why of things, why you say what you're saying, you're probably going to be okay, uh, especially if you take the time to make sure that you are translating accurately the ideas and intentions you have in your head. Uh, but to step up to the gods and give offering without being able to codify it into words, without being able to say a little something to go along with it, to set the, the context for this gift, um, may fall on deaf ears and blind eyes. Because, like we've said before, the gods of limited access don't always have their eyes on us. And so we have to call their attention, clarify what it is we're doing and why, and, you know, ask for a blessing in return, or at least make it clear that one would be accepted uh, if the gods found your initial offering worthy. And so all of this communication is therefore an action, a deed, a thing that must be in order for any of the following actions to take place within any kind of context. Um, without the context, the deeds don't take place at all. So, you know, the gods and goddesses are not going to give you a blessing or boon uh, if you do not make your intentions clear within a ritual. You just stand outside, uh, wave a horn in the air, and then pour some stuff on the ground, and don't actually make it clear to the gods what you're doing, then you may well get glossed over for that blessing that you were looking for simply because uh, it was a failure to communicate. And so communication is a thing. Words are the deeds by which we communicate and we make that thing a reality. So this is a... I'm really surprised I haven't done this video before because this is something that I have written on before. This is something that I've spent a great deal of time uh, thinking and having deep conversations about. Uh, because it is true there is a weighted scale and words carry far less weight than actual physical action. But, you know, if you look at someone that, you know, you love and you cherish and you have protected and been there for, for you know, decades of your life and then you say something truly and deeply hurtful, uh, not even that, that it doesn't even have to be coupled with a physical action. You just look at them and you say something that cuts to the core because you know that person better than anybody on the planet. Uh, you, you pull a specific family member in there that's just a, you know, you don't go there. Uh, you bring up a certain piece of their past that they have confided in you and now you're turning and using it as a weapon. Uh, these, these are willful acts and deeds that will have very negative repercussions and that's what 
you'll be remembered for out of that relationship. Not the good times, uh, but the monumental betrayal of Frith and the disregard of the obligations intended along with Frith that you have just perpetuated upon your significant other. So, that's where I'm going with all of this. Within the context of culture, uh, viewing words as deeds helps us to better build our social relationships, both within our tribe and with those individuals that our tribe would like to continue to have uh, positive interactions with. Um, it also helps in building general camaraderie and community uh, to be able to accurately uh, converse and, and portray these, to, to make that intention real and to bring it out. Um, so the oath itself is, of course, a, a, an excellent example of that. Uh, as, as we've just said, the physical manifestation through ritual of intent made real. Um, when you're dealing with, you know, it, it, okay, the betrayal of an oath is when the verbalized intention, the social contract established by the words, is violated through action and deed. When action and deed do not match what you have put into reality as your intention. You know, that... You say you have an intention, makes that intention a reality. You have brought that one in and set your vector of causality. You wish to seek out this point. Uh, I'm going to make this happen. Make it happen. Uh, otherwise, what you have said is, I'm going to make this happen, and then have veered off to do a completely different thing and shown them that uh, you cannot be trusted when you say you're going to make something happen because that was like the first thing that you showed them. So, uh, when deeds do not match up with the verbalized intention, uh, that is speech, then things are incongruous, and that's where things get lopsided and the train topples over. So, anyway, I've rambled on for a while now. Hopefully this makes some sense. Um, this is one that I'm kind of glad I waited until later in the series to do because I did want to lay some of that other groundwork and for you guys to have some of the background information uh, from different aspects, both the cultural and the religious side of things. All of this applies with the spiritual too. Um, the actual physical act of verbalization or writing words down is very strong, it's very palpable, and has very real effects. So keep this in mind going forward. Think about the, the scripting that you use for your rituals, if you use scripting at all, or if you, you know, operate off the cuff, then you might want to practice putting in an extra little buffer in there to give yourself the opportunity to think about these things as they're coming out, or write them down ahead of time and then recite them based on what you've written down. Um, you may save yourself some significant headache and incongruities in the future. So, think about these words, think about these deeds, take the time to make them right, and then match your intention, match your later actions with your verbalized intention that's here. Uh, things will move positively forward, hopefully, fingers crossed. That's the intended purpose, anyway. Um, communication is the thing. So, think about that going forward as you form formalize your oaths within your own tribe, as you formalize your... Uh, intentions uh, made manifest, the, the things that you plan to do 
with your tribe, where you intend for your tribe to go, what kind of interactions you're going to have with the outside world, uh, both as a tribal identity and as a hearth identity, because you actually have two cultures at any given time. You have your hearth culture and your community culture. And uh, that is, that's the thing. Uh, technically speaking, there's a religious culture too, but most of the time, uh, religious culture and community culture overlap and bleed over, and so there's a lot of uh, a lot of you know meshing that goes along there. So anyway, uh, that's enough for today. We're going to come back to these subjects later on, I think, in some different capacities. Uh, maybe not an entire video dedicated to it, but it will be brought in and mentioned in some other subjects. Uh, so now you will have the backstory on the whole words as deeds thing. So uh, if I had more sleep and was more awake, I'm sure I could go on for quite some time uh, and be quite articulate. But as is, I think I'm hitting my limit. So we're going to sign off here today. Thank you all for watching. I really do appreciate it. Cannot express it enough. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, hail to you all. May your hearth fires burn bright.